let's talk about it. Hello and welcome to another episode of Thick Radio, the gaming podcast where we take a deep dive into gainer culture and everything in its orbit. I'm James. And I'm Tim. Let's get into it. Today we're joined by a special guest. You know them. You love them. It's Jazzman990. Hey boys. First time, long time. (laughs) Yay. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. It's uh, been a long week, but uh, I'm happy to be chatting with you. So, getting straight into it, Tim, what are we talking about this week? We're talking about a subject that I have a lot of nostalgia for. I consider the golden age of gaming on the internet to have come and gone, though it is. it has been pointed out to me that that might not be the case, yeah. uh, but... It's for me, it's like going back to the very first time that I discovered it. So like I have kind of a warm place in my heart for this particular period. So with all that said, uh, Jazz, you are you are a guest du jour of the week. So let's let's start off with you. If I can ask, how old were you when you discovered the gaming community online? And what year roughly might this have been in? Let's see. Well, I definitely discovered it when I was a freshman in college. So I was about 17. Just I had just turned 18. Mm-hmm. That would have been 2001. Oh, wow. Turn of the millennium. Yeah. Oh, my God. Now that I say it out loud, I can't believe it's 20 years ago. <laughs> I'm, I'm in the exact same boat because th- that would have been the same year for me, about 2001 when I turned 18. Yeah. I mean, I knew I had a... Uh, interest in larger gentlemen before that but it wasn't until you know I had ethernet when when I moved to college uh, on campus was the first time I had ethernet and didn't have to tie up the phone line um, with the dial-up connection at home and I had access to it that I I started to explore the online gainer space and and learn the the terms just uh, being called that there was a name for this interest that I had and that was gaining. So how, how did you discover that? Like, I think because we don't know the word gaining when we don't know what it is. And I think everyone's got a different story about how they come across the term, but what was that like for you at that time? I think I probably started with trying to Google uh, pictures or articles about uh, large guys. Uh, I remember having a video, I videotaped on, on actual videotape, the, uh, there was a National Geographic special about sumo wrestlers. And I remember uh, I had the, the issue of the magazine. My dad had the subscription. Uh, the issue of the magazine uh, with the article about sumo wrestlers and I kind of stole that one for myself. And then when the, the television special about it that I videotaped and I would uh, watch it and had had feelings about it. And I remember there was um, WWE, uh, WWF, uh, professional wrestling, was also a um, early trigger. There was a wrestler at the time called, his name was, wrestler name was Yokozuna. And his gimmick was that of being a sumo wrestler. And he was a very large man. 
And that was the first time I really remember feeling an attraction. But the first uh, website that I came across that was dedicated specifically for gainers was Belly Builders. And at the time, Belly Builders was purple and it was simply a list of profiles. And as I recall, you had to email the webmaster the stuff you wanted uh, for your profile and he would get he would get to it when he got to it. Um, but I remember basically, and there were over a hundred profiles listed on this website. And I remember just methodically clicking through each one of them one by one. And then a little bit later, came uh beefy frat for me mm -hmm. and beefy frat was really the first one where i could find not only people who were into the thing but were also about my age that i could verify because they at the time you put your age and your location and i remember it, it being in sort of a progression for me because first i was just a lurker and then lurking wasn't quite fulfilling enough anymore and then i started posting and then posting wasn't quite fulfilling enough anymore and then i would start uh being in the chat room it had a chat room at the time and then i became a regular there and and then it was because of beefy frat where i met for the first time another gainer in person and he knows who he is um <laughs> and he's we still keep in touch but i remember uh, both of them came. Uh, they uh, they were they lived just over the border from Chicago in Indiana, and they came and stayed with me for like an overnight weekend kind of thing. And they slept together in my guest room, and I slept in my bedroom. And the whole time, we never talked about gaining because we had never talked about it out loud before. That's interesting. Like that, there was this not not to say communication divide, but almost that the construct of community was almost so young that to have things on an online forum where you weren't able to physically hear someone's voice or to really see much of them to, to almost hear the confirmation of its existence almost seems like this prolific moment in our own cultural history like that's so fascinating it really was because to to be in the online space you could be whoever and whatever you wanted to be and it almost being so, uh, that's my fantasy world that I live in. Mm. And now, then I'm back into reality. So if I were to talk about it out loud, it would be really real. So without maybe going into too much detail at this point, what was the moment that you decided to take it from that fantasy to reality and speak it out loud and to start taking steps towards it? Well, I think it goes back to you know, what I described before, the progression, it wasn't fulfilling anymore. Mm. And I wanted to talk about it because for one thing, I was having my own personal, you know, awakening and blossoming uh, as a gay person. And I didn't want to keep it inside anymore. And I wanted to find more like-minded people where I could be myself. And at the time there in the late 2000s, uh, I had moved to Chicago in 2007 from Michigan, and that's when I was uh, starting to be more active on Beefy Frat. And I managed to find other sh uh, because you with Beefy Frat you could actually search other people by location, right? 
So finally, I could find the people in my backyard who we all shared the secret. The unspoken secret. The unspoken secret. And I was still, again, still coming to my own as a gay person and exploring having this as a real, tangible thing and not just an online fantasy. Beautiful. So we started having, uh, you know, just little, like, I guess we call them kikis now. Uh, we had some uh, somebody who had a nice sort of centrally located apartment, and that became sort of our, uh, at the time, we, we called ourselves like the Beefy Fred Chicago chapter, and we just would hang out there, and we'd go out, order big things of fast food, and bring it back, have a, have a big meal, and then... <gasps> suddenly belly rubs would start and the shirts would come off and we'd just all have a great time. Wow. I mean, I, I want to circle to Tim for a moment here because, you know, I, I, I saw you, that, was it beefy frat? Like you put your hand over your heart and you- Oh yeah, yeah. It's so interesting that like my um, journey throughout all this is so much like Jazz's journey. Like, you know, discovering it uh, circa 2001, the first one that I discovered was the Belly Builders website, the old one, but like before it became the message board that it is today. Um, I think I stumbled across it through like those old web rings where you could like, <clears throat> so many sites would be linked together through a web ring. And like, if you went to one site at the very bottom, it would say, oh, if you're interested in this site, you might like this one. Because I think what I first found was an old um chubby like porn site that doesn't exist anymore called PR Simon Productions which was just featured uh solely chubby men usually they had big round bellies and then, you know I of course didn't have any money at the time so I couldn't buy any of these videos but then found belly builders through that and then along comes beefy frat which I mean maybe again it's the nostalgia goggles but I feel like beefy frat was the superior website to what we have right now and the only reason I say that is because I think in its, in its inception, it was, you know, all people around college ages, early 20s. I mean, yes, of course, there was a demographic that went older, but, you know, for me, it had one of the best chat servers. It had one of the best direct messaging systems and it had video chat rooms, you know? So for me, like this was the world that I slowly came out of my cocoon in, uh, and so, yeah, I have a lot of like love left over for that site. It's too bad that it's not what it once was. I'm, in fact, I'm not even sure if it still exists, but. It, it actually does. And uh, I happen to know, because I did check it recently, that they're renovating. Oh, they're, they they want to come back? They, he's, uh, he's working on something. I don't know exactly what it is. Oh, wow. But there's a possibility of a resurrection. So let me back up just a little bit. Um, so at the time we were having these, we, our little chapter, beefy, beefy frat chapter meetings, which were just, you know, hangouts at our friend's house. Um, there was one time, uh, well, Chicago, I think a lot of people know is, uh, hit, we have a, an amazing uh, gay village, one of the first gay villages in the U.S. called Boys Town. Mm -hmm. uh and so i and our our friend who sort of played host uh lived near boys town and chicago also played host to the iml international mr leather mm -hmm. uh, over memorial day weekend 
And also at the same time as IML, um, there was, it's no longer a thing, but there was Bear Pride. And so a lot of people would come into town for Bear Pride. And one particular year during Bear Pride, uh, the guy who uh, ran Beefy Frat, Matt Hess, mm-hmm. was coming to Chicago for uh, for one of those reasons and said, hey, I'm going to be at this bar at such and such time. If you're a member, come and say hi. So we got a little group to go hang out with Matt Hess. And that was like the and that was the first time I met him in person. Next time was when I went to my first um, expansion, which I think was probably about 2010. And expansion was the annual gainer uh, retreat, uh, which would sometimes bounce between New Orleans and Atlanta. And my first time going, it was being held in Fort Lauderdale. And the whole time that I'm traveling from Chicago to Fort Lauderdale, I felt like I was having an out-of-body experience. Like, I can't believe I'm going to the airport to go to expansion. I can't believe I'm on the plane. I can't believe I landed. I can't believe I'm in the cab headed to expansion. And I walk into the lobby to check in of the hotel and the first person I laid eyes on, I recognized immediately as being the self-styled most famous encourager in the world, BB Encourager. And I recognized him because he had been on an episode of MTV's True Life. And the episode was about, um, I'm happy being fat. And the one of the subjects of that episode was Chubby Mikey, who, not a gainer, just just a chub, but in the episode, BB Encourager goes to visit Chubby Mikey for a weekend, and I recognize him from television. I was really scared to be at this thing because I only knew two people who were going to be there. I knew Matt Hess was going to be there and one of my Chicago friends. And everybody else, basically, that I knew was going to be there, I had online crushes on. It was the most welcoming uh, environment um, you could hope for. Uh, there were icebreakers. We got to go out to some group meals, eat our fill, hang out. Most of expansion is just hanging out at the pool with your shirts off. Sounds great. It was, it was so good. It was so much fun. And from that experience, I made a whole new network of friends across the country, really, really across the world that I wouldn't have been able to meet otherwise. That's amazing. Um, I, I kind of want to reflect back a little bit for a moment. You know, what did it mean for you to discover the concept of gaining when you didn't have anything before it? What it what it really meant was one, there's a name for this thing, and two, I'm not alone. Mm. And I'm not I'm not a weirdo. I'm not a freak because it's hard enough. Um, to come to terms with being a gay person. And, you know, and again, this is the late 2000s. So things were improving, but they still, they weren't where we are today. I mean, uh, we didn't have a Supreme Court ruling that said it's a gay marriage is cool. And we didn't have a lot of other things. A lot of people were in the closet um, for legal reasons. We were closer to Matthew Shepard at that point, really, weren't we? Yes, we were. Yes, we were. 
you know, it, 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 not, not to, not to bring down the tone of the conversation a bit, but, you know, I think sometimes we do forget how those horrible things that happened and how things weren't that great for us really wasn't a long time ago. Um, and yes, things change, but culture takes a lot longer to shift. Um, which I think, you know, culture is a huge part of what influences even how we operate as gainers and with gaining, you know, when I was <laughs> of, of a non-legal age, I of course was curious about gaining as we all were. And I think we can all acknowledge that. Um, I remember I had typed into Google, um, teens who want to be fat. Yes. I had typed in that exact phrase. Cause I was just like, with the advent of Googling, because I remember I was young enough to know that like my teachers would say you could go to search engines to find things, but it wasn't actually that reliable <laughs> at that point in like the early 2000s. But I remember typing this in. I remember just being like, I'm not going to find this any other way. Teens who want to be fat. And the website that came up at the time was GainerWeb, mm-hmm. um, which I never had a profile on. I'd only ever lurked, you know, seeing... Um, uh, Fat Band Plus's profile, and I was mostly there for the Warren Davis stories. But I always find it interesting reflecting back on some of these older platforms and how they operated. And I think the thing I'm taking away the most is that journey that you're describing throughout the years. It really did start off as like an eight-bit uh, messaging service that, as new profiles and new platforms came about, they added new features which seemed to increase the uh, the dimensional aspects of people that you realize that people were people and it became more real about this time too there were things like uh google or yahoo groups yes god i miss those i I miss those so much i must have been subscribed to like 200 yahoo groups me too it's full of like photo dumps of like uh, celebrities who'd gotten big clippings from newspapers. Yeah, the, articles. it was the the Enquirer is one mm-hmm. that I remember. I, I remember about the Enquirer, and uh, there was there was a lot of like college age gains weight type groups. Do you know? What I remember there was one for Josh Grayson, who was a like top twelve finalist on some season of American Idol, um, who went on to have like a, a real good country career. Uh, and apparently made a lot of jokes about his love for KFC because that boy blew up and looked fantastic. I mean, he was, he wore like, you know, a dude's fat when he goes from wearing like regular looking jeans to like the fat frumpy jeans. And he was wearing those with like thick thighs, button down plaid that was straining at the buttons with a cowboy hat. Oh my God, I was in heaven. My first, my actual genuine first celebrity crush was Josh Grayson post-weight gain. Oh, do you guys remember like some of the more obscure ones? Like I remember I subscribed to something that was called fat mail. Um, that was, it was started by, I don't remember who, but it was basically like this one individual was going to be sending out daily stuff into your email, like videos of him, uh, updates of him. Like he, I guess he wanted to try to find a few more people where it was just like every day you were going to get fat mail. Um, that didn't last too long. I think because that's a very daunting task for someone to undertake. But uh, the other yeah, one was... I think, that's, uh, I think that's called OnlyFans now. Yeah, now <laughs> it's called OnlyFans. This was like precursor to OnlyFans. Yeah. And then the other one is... Um, do you guys remember Fat Nats? Oh, yes, absolutely. I was going to mention that when you mentioned uh, teens who gain weight. Fat Nats was 
such a big deal, not just for the pictures, but also for the stories. And uh, Fat Nat is still around. Yeah. Um, and uh, and now I think he's like, yeah, he's like quadruple his weight now. Boy, is he around. He's he uh, I'm a subscriber to his Patreon. Not paying me to say that. (laughs) Um, He's he's just just hit 500 pounds and it's phenomenal. Also, um, kind of coming out of this time at in 2010 with um, expansion is when I uh, somebody in the group started to form a Facebook private Facebook group just for friends from expansion. Right. And that group, that group is still going. I'm still <laughs> in it. I'm still in it. Um, but also some of the folks from that group were the founders of Grommer. Oh. Oh, okay. So like so Trey we're, and we're coming into the time now when Grommer is about to launch. Before we go too much further, I actually want to take it a step, actually a step further back. Is there a sense of what the gainer community might have been like before the advent of the internet? Yes. Um, Grommer actually did, uh, and this is um, SF Bay Dude, did an amazing job researching uh, the history of gainer groups pre-internet. And there's oh, a few. This is that history thing that you click on when you're trying to click on something else, but you click on that instead. Yes, that's, that's the, the thing. <laughs> um, and it, I there's an essay from me in there, um, kind of telling the story I just told about my first expansion. Okay, um, so I'm in it. Um, but uh, the, it, it was he did a, a really uh, a commendable job digitizing and putting down that history that's there. There's a few. Um, people here in Chicago who were the leaders of the time of the pre-internet bear, bear pride weekend, uh, gainer groups. And they are fascinating people to talk with, um, to get a perspective on what it was like in the postal mail, uh, telephone age, uh, faxes and mimeographs, mimeographs. You guys, can you believe that? What is a mimeograph? It's what they used before Xerox photocopies. Okay, so so let let's play this out for a moment, right? Let's say <laughs> I'm I'm about in what what is this nineteen the nineteen seventies nineteen eighties probably I'm, yeah nineteen eighties yeah. let's say nineteen eighties I'm about in the nineteen eighties I've gone ooh I figured out I'm I'm attracted to the big boys and the, the process there within do we have a sense of how I might have come across the community and Maybe you what, probably wouldn't have come across it. You probably wouldn't have come across it unless you were living in New York City at the time. Right. And that kind of makes sense. With, with such an early start to things, you would only find something like that really in the in the meccas of the world, really. Well, there there was a magazine, wasn't there? Girth and Mirth. Wasn't that a magazine? Uh, yes. And they also established Girth and Mirth uh, clubs at different cities I'd heard um, these Girth and Murphy events, and they yeah. wrapped up. They weren't they fashion? weren't specifically uh, gainer events, but they were chub chaser events. Right. I mean, that's that's almost fascination in and of itself. This sort of what do you call that thing when a cell like has reached its max size and then it subdivides and turns into two separate things? Is that mitosis? Mitosis. That's mitosis, and the the, the, the mitochondria is a powerhouse of the. Uh, 
Of the, the cell, yeah. The powerhouse of the cell. I don't fucking know high school science shit. <laughs> but listen, mitosis, right? That seems but, to be like a really cool moment in history where like clearly the chub chaser concept had a mitosis. You would have the chubs and the chasers who just enjoyed being what they were with clearly no intention of the increment going one direction and the advent of gainers going in another, which is kind of crazy. So what kind of content would I be getting? Would it be like a magazine or is it like a newsletter or is yeah, it? Would, it would be closer to a newsletter probably that wow. had, that had um, stories, maybe some pictures, probably like subscriber of the month feature profile. Um, the, and um, probably some original, um, I think that's where Warren Davis first published his art through. I was just about to ask that. I think that that yeah. is the um, inception of uh, the Warren Davis artwork. That's the, that, you know what? I've always wondered this because again, Gaynor Webb, the stories were there, the pictures were there, but it always looked so, it, it's got that newspaper quality to it. The, the, the line art style and all this kind of referencing. So I always wondered like, where did this come from? How did this manifest? I feel like Warren Davis is always going to be some like intriguing enigma in the community. He, uh, Warren Davis was an actual person. Um, I'm not sure that was his real name or if that was just his pen name. I mean, listen, but if there you are know, people, there are people around who, uh, who could tell you. I hear tell that he's still alive. I hear tell that he's sort of an anonymous person, like an, a non-entity just because he doesn't want like to be bombarded. Listen, Warren Davis, if you, if you happen to listen to this podcast and with all due respect to your right to privacy, I think any one of us would absolutely love to sit down and have a proper conversation with you about everything and really lay it all out there. So if you're listening and that's something that you would be interested in doing, please feel free to get in touch with us. I want to put it out there to you both. I feel like a lot gets bandied about, about the community that was, the community that is now. And there's this idea in the zeitgeist that prior to Gromer was sort of like the wild west, you know, the early days of gaming where you could kind of put whatever you wanted up online, where there was more freedom, et cetera, et cetera. I want to ask you guys, do you think those days are behind us, the golden age is gone, or is there something more to it all? I, re I really think that the golden age is now because we simply just have a greater reach and a variety of platforms than we have ever had before. Yes, Grommer is sort of the biggest one, but it's not the only one. Uh, Instagram and Gainer Instagram and Gainer Twitter are bigger than I and more active than I've ever seen before. And mm. now, and now there's even gainers on TikTok. Yeah. Uh, I have, <laughs> I have a, a account. I don't post anything on it. I use it for lurking. Same but, here. But based on my, what th my history that I just described to you earlier, <laughs> there might be some day where it's not fulfilling enough. And I start doing gainer TikToks. Same here. <laughs> if, as someone who is doing like gainer TikToks, it is weirdly freeing because every other gainer platform is a gainer platform. Instagram, mine's on private. So unless you follow me, you're not seeing the stuff I'm putting out there. But TikTok, anyone can come across your shit. And yet there are people who are posting, myself included, who maybe we're not saying explicitly that we're gainers, though I think some people are. 
but a lot of people are posting chubby boy content and they are out there jiggling titties, moving their bodies around and putting tags on things. It's coming up on people's for you pages. People are subscribing. People are participating. You know, I don't know if that's a reflection of the body positivity movement or if this is perhaps indicative that the next era of gaining might actually allow us to have some sense of openness. Well, the, the way I, I've looked at it ever since the beginning of internet, gainer internet, was that we're all just trying to find our tribe. Yes. And when you live in remote uh, rural areas where there aren't a lot of uh, openly gay people, let alone it might not even be safe for you to be coming out as gay, we turn to the internet to find our tribe. I was lucky enough to move to a major city where I could find other people willing to meet in person uh, and explore this part of ourselves that we all shared together. And even if the gay gainer stuff is the only thing we had in common, that was still strong enough to create bonds between us that last a really long time now i don't keep in touch with everybody that i knew back then but i do keep in touch with a lot of them um and those are just bonds created when because we found our tribe and the whole point of being active and being uh, a, a regular poster in these different spaces is just to find more people that we can be ourselves around I love that. Tim? I think the reason why I had felt that the golden age of gaming on the internet had come and gone was because, so let's go back to like, say the inception of YouTube, Mm -hmm. when that first became a thing, that really was the wild west because there were no uh, guidelines. There was nothing against certain content that could be posted. I mean, people were posting porn on YouTube in the very beginning and right up until Google decided to buy them out, you know, you could pretty much put anything you wanted up there. And then Google took control of it. And then suddenly people discovered that they could make entire careers out of being on YouTube. Um, so this influx of gainers and encouragers and belly fetishes, they all came in, they all started posting content. Then we unfortunately ran into the problem of people stealing content or people reporting content. You know, there was one YouTube user who went on a crusade to try and get all gainer stuff reported and deleted. Yes. And it? Yeah, yeah, I remember this. I remember you know, this. and it caused a lot of people who were posting really good content who were just trying to put it out there, be themselves, find their tribe, do what they love doing. Yeah, it caused a lot of them a lot of grief. I mean, we we lost so many people because of that. We lost so many people because Tosh.0 decided to make an entire career out of mocking people that it posted was, stuff on YouTube. There was also, I remember vividly, um, if you remember, uh, I think that it was a TV network called G4. Mm-hmm. And they did a segment on gainers that was mm-hmm. narrated by Olivia Munn. Mm-hmm. from who later became famous on the daily show <clears throat> yep and they did a profile on oh, uh stuff me bloated yes stu- uh, thank you mm-hmm. uh i i usually am pretty good with the real name to uh screen name translation but it's slowing down in my old age <laughs> um yeah stuff me bloated uh and i got to meet stuff me bloated um 
Yeah. I'm so jealous. I've always wanted to meet him. <laughs> he he stayed with me for a weekend. Um, he's married now, by the way. Um, but stuff me bloated. Uh, I asked him about it. Um, and that stuff like that is the reason that I do not show my face in a lot of my more public posts. Like it's not. I don't show my face on my YouTube. And, and that happened for a lot of them. They all of a sudden it yeah, went from I, I, they could I, just show whatever they wanted to now it was just the torso. Mm -hmm. And then it went from that to like, you know, again with the content theft and people making horrible comments and like posting it other places and mocking it. Like, you know, one of the most prolific gainers, I think, that made a huge impression on me and whom whose content I loved, who had to completely vanish because of all this, was I Hulk out. Yeah, you know, I feel like he got one of the rawest deals of them all because he, he was he, mocked on national television. He, he wasn't he, even that focused, was he? He was more muscle than anything. Yeah, he I was mean, just, he, he was just, like just a bulky dude and liked being on a dirty bulk, and he's sort of started to come back recently. Yeah, he's made a comeback recently, which but I was I, very happy to see. I can think of another example of someone um, who's here in Chicago who had their career destroyed. Um, because they were outed to their employer that they were engaging in this. Um, and so, and so yeah, that that threat, that danger looms over my shoulder, uh, knowing that that could happen. Well, since we're kind of on this subject of, you know, culture and these moments that happen, have we noticed any major cultural shifts in the gainer community from where it was back then to where it is now? I, I think it, it, it really astounds me the openness that there is now. Mm -hmm. um, like for like uh, going back to the example of Gainer TikTok. Yeah. Like people just coming right on out and saying I'm a Gainer on TikTok. I, at a public platform like that and, sh and showing their face. And I'm just like, wow, that those are some guts, pun intended, that I don't know if I'll ever have. I feel the same way. Because like as out as I have become in the last couple of years, there are still places where I'm very hesitant. Like when I started my Twitter in the beginning, I was like, I am not going to show my face on Twitter because I don't know where it's going to get retweeted. I have zero control over where this ends up. Mm -hmm. And then the more I kept posting on Twitter, the more I was like, you know what? I mean, honestly, if you're going to find something, it's because you went looking for it. Um, it's not as if the audience that I have on that platform is massive in any way. I mean, it, it's not, I'm not a Kardashian. I'm not a celebrity. People aren't just going to, you know, all of a sudden stumble across this. You really have to go looking for the content that I put out there. The, mm -hmm. the one place that I'm still very hesitant about is YouTube only because I know how very easy it is to take that content off of that platform and post it wherever you want. Well, you know, I, and I certainly hear what you're saying. Uh, I was surprised to learn. Uh, I did one of um, Stanham's uh, in, Instagram lives, mm -hmm. and he told <laughs> that your words uh, that I was one of the early um, uh, gainer uh, content makers that you saw yeah. Um, yeah. back then on YouTube. And th the thing with YouTube, uh, for me at least, was I got to protect myself. That's why I don't show my face or do my voice on it. But secondly, at this point, I've been on there so long, not to say that I'm an icon, um, but if you were try to try to steal my content, 
nobody would believe you. <laughs> they would, yeah. I, I would be recognized, it would be recognized yeah. as stolen content immediately. Uh, I, I used to joke that I started a Tumblr uh, because nobody was stealing my content to put on Tumblr. So I had to do it. <laughs> No, and I get it. Like the more, the, the more, the most well-known gainers in our community, like we would all be able to know, okay, this is so-and-so, this is not really you. Um, and we've gotten as a community pretty good about policing that. I, I I've, I've noticed that we've, that we've really like, when we know that someone has taken an image that does not belong to them, that we're pretty quick to point out, Hey, that's not really you. So you need to cut it out. Yeah. Uh, 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 at least from what I've seen uh, that, that has really dropped off that that doesn't happen so much anymore there are still definitely accounts that decide i'm going to be a um, compilation account but they don't necessarily try to do the identity theft anymore no i think there's a definite difference between you know the idea of someone who is um like a community blog or a curated blog and obviously the difference between the two is a community blog is dedicated, you know, usually to minority types. And it's saying, you know, other people often get shouted out or get talked about. This group here often miss out. We're going to opt to share their content. And so the idea is you submit your stuff, the tags are there, the links are there, and everything's all above board. So everything's fun. And you can trust in that because the disclosure is written on the page. Whereas you've got cre- these curator blogs, which are all focused on, you know, follow me to see all of these silver daddies that I find, but they don't find them. They go and they steal them. They either take from websites or from blogs or of people and don't tag them, or they lurk and take photos of people in the real world, which is so gross. But no, there's a very big difference between the two. I, I remember one time on Instagram, I had done a live and that was back before you could save them to your profile like they were only up for 24 hours and then they would disappear mm-hmm. and someone screenshotted my live and posted it to their profile and this was at a point where i was not okay with showing my face mm-hmm. and i had to like you know call them out for it like hey i appreciate that you're a, a fan or whatever but please don't do that don't don't screenshot me and then post it as if you know you're trying to like oh look this guy you know was doing this it's like no this is still my face and I still have agency over where my face ends up. So I, I didn't appreciate that at all. And yeah, that's been the only instance thus far. I've only had one instance, one instance in the last three or four years of someone who tried to use my content to, um, as, as a identity theft, someone spotted it right away and told me, uh, then I messaged the offender and said, hey, that's mine. You can't represent yourself in that way. And they immediately, oh, uh, you know, pretended they, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't know. Well, you definitely knew that that wasn't you. I remember now that that actually did happen once as well. Like I was, you know how on Instagram, it'll show you like profiles that you might be interested in. And I was scrolling through them and all of a sudden I saw my belly and I was like, wait a minute. So I go to this profile and of course it's private but i you know it's clearly it's 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 me i know exactly which picture it was so i had to message this guy myself like like you did and be like hey 
I appreciate the, I mean, I'm flattered and everything, but please don't use my image to represent yourself. And again, the same person was like, oh, okay. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And immediately changed it. I don't know whatever became of that profile. Cause I, I think I blocked it, but. Yeah, we have, we have gotten a lot better at policing those instances of identity theft and impersonation. So there's, I, I do feel like there is more that we can do which I think just comes down to these curator blogs. I think if you follow a curator blog, you should unfollow them. I think ultimately, what is it that we appreciate seeing? It's what we want to go see. So why not go post it yourself if it's you? Or why not go follow the blogs of people who are that thing anyways and have agency over what they're doing? Like when you think about it, why is it hotter to follow a curator blog of this rather than follow someone who's doing it of their own accord. And I think it's indicative of, you know, people might be slightly into the idea that the content is stolen, you know, that this person doesn't know that their photos out here and being jerked off over random people. And I'm just going to put it out there. That's really gross. And (laughs) maybe at a time on the internet when we were scrambling for content and things weren't readily available, Maybe that was more permissible, but I think considering Roma, you know, has over 80,000 participants at this point, considering Instagram, and there is still stuff on Tumblr, and there's Twitter, and there's YouTube, and there is literally people who you can pay for the content. Like, there are plenty of places to get it. We do not need knockoff, cheap stuff. We do not need, we don't need to be poaching people's content, and we don't need to be sexualizing people who aren't consenting to it is it's, what I think it comes down to. It's, it really is mind-blowing to me to think that six or seven years ago, things like Patreon and OnlyFans uh, were not even really in our minds. Oh, uh, gosh. Can you imagine if someone approached you and said, hey, you could make actual money off of showcasing your games? Now, there's... I, would, I, would there, I remember seeing some... Uh, like. I don't know if it was TLC or some TLC style documentaries about um, BBW women who made a living with their websites and doing custom things like that. But to think that I could do it too, um, that was certainly unthinkable. Mm. I'm someone who I recently, I had, I, I, I didn't think about starting a Patreon until someone that I respect and admire suggested that I try it. And I thought, well, why not? And then after about um, six months, I decided to shut it down. I mean, I don't think that it was entirely unheard of until recently, because like I remember, so years ago, um, there were some of the more famous gainers that had their own websites. SF Gut Muscle had his own. I don't think he ever sold any content out of it, though. I don't think that he sold videos. But I'm fairly certain that Belly Grow, the Italian gainer, yes, and who I had think, his own and, website, I think he did Bull sell. Gainer Bull did, too. Yeah, Gainer Bull did. And I mean, let's. we don't even have to go back that far to the point where they were selling clips for sale you know like uh lard fill and uh handsy super chubs Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. lose my breath and you know we could go on and on about the guys who started up like early on doing the clips for sale thing so like 
but I think with Patreon and OnlyFans, all of a sudden now it was accessible to everybody. That's right. Because like before, you know, you had to have a pretty decent camera. You had to have some some tech savvy to like understand how to upload the content and like how to set all that stuff up. And now all, every phone is a camera that's good yeah. for that. And those platforms have made it so easy. You don't really need the tech know-how. Yeah, exactly. They've made it really user-friendly to capitalize on yourself. I want to ask you guys a question, just because you both have a lot more experience with previous platforms than I do. What would you argue was the rise and fall of these previous platforms? Well, I can tell you for sure about um, Beefy Frat. Uh, And the fall of that started when Grammar launched. It really, wow. it really uh, took a huge chunk because uh, Beefy Frat had a premium uh, tier for, I think it was like $5 a month. And when Grommer started, everyone shifted their dollars over there. Um, and I remember talking to Matt and saying, uh, him saying, yeah, huge, huge chunk out of my business uh, when they launched. Mm. Um, and so Matt turned his energies away from Beefy Fred into his own, uh, let's call it a civilian career. And so he didn't spend as much time maintaining or making improvements to Beefy Fred. And so it just kind of went from faded. It, it never quite went, it never went away. It just kind of stopped in time. It stagnated. Yeah, it ju- and up until I don't know, maybe three, uh, two or three months ago, it really was like a time capsule. Everything frozen in place. Everything was frozen. I mean, my first pictures that I ever posted anywhere were still there, and so I could. That's for sure what happened to that. There was some other thing. There was a website called GainerVid. Oh yes, to, yes. It was supposed to be the uh, 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 safe space to post your gainer videos because YouTube oh, was yeah. doing a crackdown at the time. But that came and went in like literally under a month, didn't it? Well, maybe about two or three. But the person who ran that obviously didn't factor in how expensive it was to host videos. Mm. And then there was um, another one, I Growing Guys. Yes, I remember that one. That was that was a really well run website it used some sort of turnkey social media platform okay and that lasted for uh, maybe a year or two um but then i think what with that one i think it was that the platform provider made a policy change that it wouldn't host sexually explicit content anymore Mm -hmm. and so that one went away so what then led to the rise of Grommer? Because Grommer's been around officially 10 years. Yeah. So well, long lasting, longest running as far as I'm aware. Longest, well, longest consistent. Well, uh, part of it, I think, is it has a division of duties at the top. So Beefy Frat was a one-person operation. Um, but... With Grommer, there's a couple of guys who run them. One of them who is responsible for the uh, all the technical programming does that for his uh, profession, for a living. 
So he was able to pour all of his already professional knowledge into making this custom-built platform that uh, couldn't be arbitrarily replaced with a policy change. So it was 100% under the control of the creators. And, uh, the, uh, of gainers who so buy gainers for gainers exactly exactly huh. right i actually want to put it out there uh speaking of grommer being around 10 years uh they reminded everyone recently that uh as part of their launch that they uh put a little skit together a little <laughs> skit scat little uh little i think i think they called it a lip dub yes the lip instead dub a, instead of a lip sync uh you know semantics uh to paint raise your glass and uh to people who want to view that video our guest here makes a shining appearance yeah i'm like i'm the second person in the video like (laughs) and smaller might i add i think that's been a delight is seeing people i recognize (laughs) and thinking oh yes you have grown in 10 years haven't you oh well i guess i can't i can deny it no longer just just Um, a pound or two you know just just a few just one see, 2010, I was probably about 170, 175, and now I'm about 195. Nice. And okay, 20 pounds doesn't sound like a lot, but you got to factor in that I'm five foot four, so I'm a shorty. Listen, the look is there, so I wouldn't worry too much about it. I, I want to ask because I would imagine that prior to this creation, nothing really of that size, even talking events outside of expansion. Nothing really of that kind of size and scope had really been done. And to create something that kind of really signifies the creation of this kind of social advent, you know, what did that, what was the vibe like for everyone making that at these events? It was jubilant because here we were, um, I don't remember exactly. It must've been like 30 guys from all corners of the world, literally. Um, all in New York City uh, for the Grommer launch party and filming this lip dub out in public. I'm out in public wearing a shirt that says Grommer. I haven't, and I haven't done that since. Um, how much fun it was to do that and to be all together and celebrate again this thing that only a few years prior we barely spoke about aloud. Mm. It was, it was, such a liberating experience i mean tim obviously you you weren't in the video or at least i didn't spy you no i really wish that i had been though <laughs> but what was what was it like for you to discover Groma, especially after your experiences with previous sites in the past um you know it's funny when Grommer was first launched i kind of thought that it wasn't going to be much you know because like i said i was sort of devoted to beefy frat but Beefy Frat did have its problems in the later years. Um, there were things that needed to be updated that didn't get updated. There were things that needed to be revamped that didn't happen. I think Matt just got really, I mean, I don't know this from personal, like talking to him, but I feel like maybe Matt just got overwhelmed by everything. And I heard about people complaining to him that things needed to change and nothing was happening. So, you know, along comes Gromer. And I joined right away just out of curiosity but I never expected it to become what it has become and how it is pretty much dominating, you know, fat fetishism for us. Um, yeah. I, but I like Grommer. I really do. 
I feel like it's had a bit of a shift in a certain direction since it started. Like over the last 10 years, I, I kind of feel like it's going a certain way. And I still hold all this, this warmth in my heart for beefy frat. And I was kind of excited to hear that it could be coming back. Cause yeah, it was really my first are, are we major breaking news. Are we breaking news here on thick radio about, I have, was frat? not aware that it was coming back in any way. And I just looked it up and I, you can't actually access the website, but there is a message from Matt about how he's working on it. So See, I'm like, I don't lie. I'm not lying. Special news bulletin. The world is changing here on thick radio. We are coming <laughs> at you thick and fast well well not thick and fast thinking at a waddling pace let's be perfectly frank yeah we, we like to go <laughs> at our own pace oh my goodness do i love a slow waddle oh it's beautiful you know it's like when you walk fast because you have to be somewhere and you've broken into a sweat just to get to the bus and you were like was that worth it no or you've rubbed all of the denim uh in between your thighs like to bare threads while you're trying to get somewhere in a hurry my thighs are on fire i'm statically charged so i'm about to touch a little bit of metal and explode i'm hot and sweaty i need a cold compress i need a nap a shower and a donut was it worth it no bitch it was not we slow waddle these days i'll catch i'll catch the next bus it's it's so funny to me to like have gotten to this point in my weight gain and like it can be 64 degrees outside, which when I was thin, I would have considered that cold. And now I'm like breaking a sweat, even in that. Oh, 100%. I saw a friend <coughs> today and I wore my sleeveless hoodie because this is the closest bit of material I can figure to like try to make my body make sense. It is cold outside. There is a cold wind, but you better believe because I've got that bloody sleeveless hoodie on, I am boiling. And then I take that off still hot still hot and bothered even though the wind is bitingly cold because my body decided well you're fat now so you're just gonna run on hot forever um but i want to ask a question and i don't know if maybe this might come across a little controversial or you know but i think it's a good talking point the vibe i get from you guys is that yes grommer is quite monolithic these days but that's more or less been the history of the gaming community. There's always kind of been one main place where everyone tended to congregate. And then for varying reasons, that one would fade, a new Supreme would rise. I think some community members do take umbrage with aspects of Grokio, maybe because it is so monolithic and that's just been their singular experience. Uh, Or maybe they're identifying that there could be concerns and things in the community that need to be addressed. I want to ask you guys, what do we think the next big paradigm shift could look like in terms of maybe the direction that Gromit goes into or where perhaps a new platform, like you say, Matt Hess is, you know, doing some fiddling about, but what do we think that next big paradigm shift could be? What might be the focus? Well, I think for sure the focus is going to be on video content Mm -hmm. i think there likely will be a um monetization uh to it the element to it imagine if there were a patreon or OnlyFans that was again by gainers for gainers make a killing that would be my prediction and if they'd ever do there would there would be a need definitely a demand for 
uh, gainer content and a mo uh, that have that monetization element to it. So, if that that that's what my guess would be. That's what you suspect. What about you, Sam? You know, something that I think we will see happen, uh, and it was something that I was sort of unaware of until it was really brought to my attention. Uh, the some of the umbrage that I see people taking with the monolith that the Grokio communities are is that they're very cookie cutter. So you've got Gromer, Chaseable, Phoebe, Furzu, and now Pupspace. And it's pretty much the same format, same template, just with color changes. And they feel like it's not really tailored to said specific community with things that said specific community is looking for. The other big gripe that I hear from people is that there is an element of toxicity that runs throughout the entire spectrum of these communities. And that when issues are brought up, things are not done about it. Um, I have seen people post things on Instagram and on Twitter saying, you know, I was complaining to the web creators for months about a particular person within this community who was saying very racist things or saying very sexist things or saying very transphobic things and nothing was done about it. And I understand that, you know, these platforms are meant to be a place of free speech, but the generation that is coming up that just continues to uh, just totally blow me away with how invested they are in social justice like they're not having it they're saying no if this is truly going to be a safe space for us for our fetish for our community then there needs to be something done about this highly toxic element that is running through all of these apps and they feel that the people who are in control are not responding fast enough or doing enough in general like just recently all of these apps added things like non-binary as a way to identify or asexual as a preference or you know like there's there was a time prior to this where it was just like you you know like any other drop down box or like on a census form where you only have so many boxes and you're expected to fit into one of them and you know they're saying no we need more diversity we need more representation we need more community we need more inclusiveness so that's something that I think we're going to see. I would agree with that. I think as yeah. a younger person myself, uh, there's definitely a desire for that. You know, I used to work in a management consultancy. And if I'm honest, one of the big things that a lot of the clients that would come in, they would say, you know, we need your help to restructure things. Oh, what seems, you know, what are one of the major problems? Young people don't give a shit about our business because, you know, we don't have our green labels on the front page of our website. They want to know about our genuine you know, what we're doing about our carbon footprint. They want to know what our lines are on queer community. They want to, and they will take us to task if we are not thorough and clear. So I think I, I, I would agree to him. I think that's just definitely going to be a push for that. I also think it's a very necessary push to have some kind of inclusivity with regards to mental health and all those different aspects, because, you know, we, we just don't talk about it enough. And I would hope, especially considering the COVID-19 pandemic, that more of us are more aware of the state of our mental health. And this actually kind of ties into one of our last questions, which is what can we learn from the past to make the future better? Well, 
you know, I, I guess I never really understood why people had so much trouble with the concept of respecting others. Mm. Um, you know, un, you, if you had someone who was harassing you with unsolicited dick pics or other harassing messages, yeah, well, you can block them. But in, in a broader sense, it's just disrespectful behavior. And I don't understand why people have so much trouble with it. Um, I have always been, um, I'm sure somebody out there could point to an example where they thought I was being disrespectful, but I, and if that ever happens, it's, it's certainly not ever my intention, but some people who are intentionally disrespectful, being harassing, being, uh, uh, I guess another way to put it would be to be an oversharer. The thing we really just need to learn from the past to make the future better is tr is just something like the golden rule of treat others the way that you would want to be treated. Hmm. It's it's really it's it's really just as simple as that. I mean, I would echo that sentiment exactly. That um, the the age of just letting things go and saying, "Oh, that's just how they are," or "This is just the way things are." Just get used to it. Roll with the punches it's really come to an end. Uh, people are not having it anymore. You know, they're saying, I'm not okay with this. And I'm going to let you know that I'm not okay with it. And, <laughs> you know, I, I look to the younger generation, the younger group of gainers to kind of lead the way with this. You know, I've had great conversations with some gainers that, you know, are like in the 18 to 24 range and like all of the passion that they have and like how they want to see the past, the future be so much better than the past was. And I, there are times when I feel like an old timer, when I feel like I'm kind of behind the times with all this, because I'm like, what are all these new concepts that were always there? And yet somehow I was unaware of them. Um, yeah. I, I'm just really excited to see what the future of the gaming community is going to be. And I really want it to become that sanctuary where we can all go and feel like we are a part of a community because we've needed that for so long. And yeah, the past was the past and there are some aspects of it that, that glow very brightly for me, but I am very excited to see what's going to happen next. With that said, um, we're actually, uh, we're at the listener question portion of the, uh, of the episode. Now we've kind of answered the first one, which was gaining is more mainstream and accessible than ever before. Surely the golden age of gaining is now. I think we've answered that quite clearly. I think it absolutely is. And the future is bright. Future is indeed bright. The other question we've got here uh, says, it feels like the community was stronger when it was more sheltered, but it's a lot easier to be open and expressive now than ever before. How do we find the right balance? Now that is the million dollar question, isn't it? Um, what we were just saying about creating a platform that's more diverse um, and having all those little options or more ways, more boxes to check, I should say. It, it's really just a microcosm of the same problems that the big social media giants are having. Mm. Facebook, I mean, I remember when Facebook, you had to have a .edu email address on it to, to get on it. And with more people comes... Uh, more problems and with growth comes some pain 
and growth and progress in these ways is slow. Still fast. I mean, I, I think on the relative scale, still much faster than in the um, in the cultural space or in the physical space. These online uh, platforms can change much more rapidly, but only if there's enough voices calling for it. Tim, um, same thing. Uh, like, I don't. This might be going off on a tangent here for a second. Do it. But um, you know, I remember when I was around 21, 22, that I remember hearing this particular phrase a lot. People said, "I don't like labels." don't label me. I don't want to be labeled. No labels, this, that, the other, you know, I don't want labels on my relationships, on my sexuality, nothing. Then all of a sudden I see, okay, now everyone's talking about how much labels matter. You know, now it's like, I do label myself because that's how I orient myself to my community, to my world. It's how I let people know what I'm about. Labels suddenly came back and they were now like, there were more labels than there had ever been. You know, when I was 21, you were like gay, straight, bisexual, or lesbian. You know, yes, of course, we knew that transgender existed, but we didn't get to see a lot of them. There was not a big transgender community like there is now. Um, we, I had never heard of non-binary until recently. I had never heard of two spirit. I had never heard of, uh, oh, what's the other gender fluid. You know, these were all like new labels to me. And, uh, I know that this doesn't really have a lot to do with balance, but it's like, I'm just seeing how people are making labels a positive thing. Now we reclaimed what I guess used to be considered something negative to put us in a box and now the box is something that we're all kind of proud of to be like, yeah, I am a gay man. I am a gainer. I am, uh, to, you know, to, for someone to say I'm a gainer, but I'm also a transgendered person or I'm a gainer or I'm an encourager and I'm also bisexual. It's just, it's really fascinating to me, the evolution of, of humanity, you know, and society and how we are all, you know, we're all just sprinting towards a future that looks brighter, but I, I, you know, it's like, I don't know. I don't know where it's all going to end up. I'm, I'm so, I, I think it's, I'm lucky to be living during this time period. Mm. So, you know, I, I don't, so to answer the question, I don't know how we're going to achieve the balance, but I am really interested in seeing what comes of all this. I think the point I would actually want to make almost ties in a little bit of what you've both said, you know, Jazz, you made a point of saying that um, we all have we all have a platform, and do you know what? That's probably the truest aspect of all of this. Is it doesn't matter what forum exists, whether it's Grommer, whether it's another platform, whether it's Instagram, wherever you are, you have a presence and you have influence. You influence people every single day in every little thing that you do, in everything that you speak, and everything that you value, and. I reflect on that even in the ways that I interact with people that I've never spoken to before. I always think to myself, what vibe am I giving this person? If I'm annoyed and I'm short with someone, am I then going to be that vision in their mind of going, oh no, he's an asshole because he cut me off for no good reason. Like it's all those little moments you think of. We've all got a platform, even at this very second, no matter how big or small it is, we all have influence and we've all got a responsibility to how we conduct ourselves. And my personal approach is I want to give my best because I think I deserve the best. I expect the best from people. Therefore, I give the best out there. 
personally, that helps me to pick and choose the people that I'm closer to. But on a large scale, that really helps orient me in how I want to put out my personal vibes. A little bit of what you've been saying, uh, Tim, with regards to how these labels appear and we take more pride in them, you know, that's very much the same way with this evolution of gaming we've been talking about tonight. You know, this evolution of from a newsletter and an article here and there, all the way through to gainer TikTok, where people with their faces and their names are saying that they're gainers and jiggling their fat bits for everyone to see. You know, there's this beautiful growth, ironically, that seems to happen where we really seem to step from anonymity into ownership. And I feel like it's that ownership that gives us more access, more control, and is probably what informs the people the right to demand more. If I have ownership of my body, ownership of my gaining content, and you're being disrespectful, oh, I have all the motivation in the world to kick your ass for being so contrite with me. You know, I think it's all of those moments. I think the balance that comes in is how we conduct ourselves with other people and the respect we hold for ourselves. I think that balance is going to look different for everyone else. But I think in terms of a platform that manifests is a space where it's safe to appear on all ends of that spectrum. And maybe that's a more macro answer to that, but I think that's how my brain goes sometimes. Can, can you edit in the more you know jingle right here? With, with the star wipe effect. Yeah, exactly. Oh my goodness. But listen, that's that's it for tonight's episode, everyone. So listen, thank you everyone for listening in. Uh, before we wrap things up, Jazz, is there anything you'd like to promote? Where can they find well, you? Nothing in particular, but you can find me in most places. Uh, Grammar, Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr. Um, and I have a link tree uh, of all of my online presences in each of those places. So you can find me there. And don't, don't be afraid to say hi. But that's a wrap here now on Thick Radio. Please remember to like and subscribe, rate and review, give us five stars and uh, share the love. As always, you can find me on Gromit and Instagram at Stanham and Twitter and YouTube at StanhamG. And you can find me on Grommer as Orpheus. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter as Thicky Mouse. And you can also find more of what we've talked about today on Instagram and Patreon at Thick Radio. But uh, that's it for this week. So until next time, bye fat. Bye fats. Let's talk about it. Radio is a Patreon and Enter app podcast produced by Stan and Dickie Mouse. Next and mastered by Stan. Our artwork is provided by Lokitu. Our theme song is provided by Body by Trade.